So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. In today's show, we're going to explore this crucial topic of mental well-being and resilience. And there's never been a more important time to explore this. I hope you and your loved ones are well and that you're managing to make some career and personal progress through this challenging lockdown crisis that we're all facing. I have to say I've found this week a little bit tougher. I think our motivation definitely ebbs and flows and this week's felt more of a challenge. I've been a little bit flatter, so I've definitely had to walk my talk, set that early alarm and get some fresh air and exercise to kickstart my day and also move the chocolate and beer out of reach so that I don't grab them too easily. And it seems to be working so far. I'm delighted to be back sharing some insights with you again. I've been running a number of resilience and well-being workshops online and webinars for our network and our internal client initiatives recently. So it's been great to hear the personal stories and challenges that so many executives are facing around the world in this current crisis. So I know we've got a great show lined up for you and here is a taster of some of the insights that you're going to hear today. The mental side is um, the, the most crucial. What are all those little warning signs and I'm just ignoring them because I'm being stubborn and I'm being focused. The minute we allow the severity of a, of a problem we're trying to solve or the deadline that's looming, the minute we allow that to, to start to take hold in our heads, our ability to think differently about it is lost totally. So I'm sure you're going to really enjoy the interview insights that we've got for you today. And I just wanted to say before we start, a big thank you to those who've shared a link to this podcast on LinkedIn and their social platforms, especially to Nathan for his five star review and also Heifers31, who says that I'm now his morning running partner. So thanks for that Heifers31. I don't know whether to speed up or slow down, but it's great to know that you're listening to the show regularly and you're finding it useful for your well-being and motivation. Well, this episode is recorded in late May 2020 and it's been Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. So I wanted to share some insights with you to hopefully help you. Now, I'm not a clinically trained psychologist, so this isn't medical advice. I've spent most of my career exploring the psychology of high performance, either as a, as a player in cricket, but also uh, in more of a coaching role. So I'll be sharing some insights from our digital library and our performance zone with some practical strategies 
that can help us all to improve our short-term mood, our well-being and our long-term personal resilience. As ever, I'd love to make this show as interactive as possible and design it around your preferences. So if you've got any questions or ideas for future shows, then please do email me at hello at sportingedge.com and I'll make sure that we feature those questions every time. So as I mentioned, the recent webinar series that we've been running for our clients, one of them was on this topic of mental well-being and resilience. We had 487 executives attending on the day and over 300 questions, which was absolutely fantastic. So it's it's both really exciting for me to get a big audience to share ideas with and incredibly frustrating that I can't help all of those people and answer all of those questions in a short one hour session. So I've got an idea for you today where you can access some of our inspirational digital content on demand 24-7 without me, you know, waiting for me to deliver another podcast. And this is one of our flagship digital coaching programs called The Winning Mindset, a 30-day program. So I'll share a little bit more information with you about that in a moment. And like many of you, I'm sure you've been watching the Netflix documentary, The Last Dance, which has been an incredible documentary inside the team culture of the Chicago Bulls during their incredible eight seasons of success. They had, I think, six NBA trophies in eight seasons during the mid to late 90s. And uh, Michael Jordan, the superstar, and one of the elements of the program says that the mental part is the hardest part. And that's what separates the good players from the great players. And he was definitely a great player. So he managed to combine that physical presence and that strength that he built up and that natural athletic ability with this incredible determination and focus and resilience and the ability to to perform at his best under pressure. So that's why the mental game is so important in his eyes. And I absolutely agree with that. And it's echoed by the legendary West Indian cricketer Sir Viv Richards. During his career, he was the most feared batsman in the world. He was so destructive and his confident swagger all started in his mind. I had the great privilege of working with Sir Viv Richards on a couple of coaching jobs, both at the Delhi Daredevils in the Indian Premier League and also at the Melbourne Stars in Australia in the Big Bash. And this interview was in Melbourne when I sat down to interview the great man. So this is Viv talking about the importance of his mindset in letting everything else in his performance follow. It is um, the, the most crucial, the most crucial in, in my opinion, because everything that operates uh, uh, at the top here filters down into the body language, how you, you react, um, how um, if, if you're not strong enough mentally, I doubt whether you'll be able to, to, to get certain things like the body moving. You, you've got to be prepared mentally, and if you're not, it's... Um, to me, it is the main, the main ingredients for, for the body to flow, for you to um, be able to express yourself. And it is all a, a transformation of what goes down here. And if you're thinking well enough, well, the feet is going to be moving well enough and the, the body language is going to be different. So I guess the mental side of things, and regardless of whatever you, you are involved with, it is always... Um, the, the, the most it's the engine room if you, if you may say of um, operations and how you actually react to whatever competition you may be faced with so a fascinating insight there from Sir Viv Richards an incredibly 
belligerent player, an incredibly confident player, but he saw during his career his mindset as the engine room of his performance that was really central to getting the energy going and getting his behaviour and his footwork and, you know, that whole sort of gravitas that he had about him and that aura uh, was incredible. And that all came from his mindset. So this idea that controlling our mindset first is absolutely critical. And we know that with people suffering from mental ill health, they become withdrawn and isolated and they lose energy. They try and go it alone and they, they sort of isolate themselves and they listen to that negative voice. And that's one of the biggest challenges we face. So as we've interviewed these top performers, we have found that so many of them have all expressed and experienced self-doubt. In fact, Sir Viv Richards himself, you know, this confident alpha male who was strutting out there to dominate the world cricket stage, said that he fell down the stairs on his first test match, walking out to the the middle of the the park to play because uh, his nerves were so bad. I think that game was in India. So we all think we're competing against other people and we're worried what people think. But actually, when I think about the winning mindset, it's about setting these goals and being courageous enough and focused enough and determined enough to keep going after those goals, whatever it takes, and then to enjoy achieving them because there has to be some satisfaction with it. But it all starts with our mindset. And I think we've got to be careful that we also enjoy achieving these goals and enjoy these milestones because if we don't we can just become relentless and that's when we start to have burnout which is another key element in our mental ill health so on our recent mental well-being and resilience webinar I asked uh, the delegates a simple question and it was how big an impact does your mindset play on your performance at work So their answers were a percentage. So 0% would mean it doesn't make any difference at all. I'm a robot. I don't need my mindset through to the top end, which is 100% where my mindset, if that's bad, my whole day is bad. So before I share their answers with you, what would you say to that question? How big an impact does your mindset play on your performance? So think about that percentage. You might be walking the dog, washing the car or sitting at your desk. How important is your mindset in your performance? Think of that score out of 100. Well, the delegates that were on this particular webinar pretty much started at 50%. And there was this huge Manhattan skyline that sort of ramped up between 70% and 90%. And then a few also were tens or twenties were saying that 90 odd percent of their performance was affected by their mindset. So that's fascinating that so many of us think that our mindset is absolutely pivotal to our performance. Just like Viv Richard said, it's the engine room of performance. And if the engine stops, the rest of the performance stops. And I always found this within my cricketing career that I believe that number to be incredibly high. But if it's so high and if it's so vital, this role that our mindset plays, how much time and effort do we spend training our mindset? How much time do we prioritize to invest in our mindset and and learn the strategies that are going to help us if something gives us, you know, a 90 percent impact in our performance? So it's really interesting to think about how we've become conditioned, you know, not to think about those things. 
And when we consider performing under pressure, some of the questions that we got asked for this particular session were around, why do I feel so out of control at the moment with all the news on the TV? How do I control my anxiety? And for someone who thrives on stress, how do I know when to stop? And I've spoken before about this balance between the challenge that we feel we face and the coping skills that we think we've got in our mindset. And and this is absolutely critical. And it's so hard at the moment to reduce this challenge because many people have either lost their jobs, they're sort of in this suspended furlough mode where they can't actually get to to work um, or maybe you've you've actually been made redundant and and that's an incredibly challenging time so we need to both rationalize that side and start thinking about how we can move forward from there but we also need this other side these coping skills to be elevated and as as high as they can possibly be so that we can deliver our best performance and this next insight is really critical it's from Anna Hemmings, who was a six times world champion canoeist. And Anna was a, a brilliant performer, a brilliant Olympian, um, but she trained so obsessively and so hard and was such a perfectionist that she ran into some real problems with a burnout and a chronic fatigue syndrome. So this is her talking about the difference between being relentless and being stubborn and actually being resilient, which is very different. A big part of resilience is about having the energy to, to deliver whatever that is, your performance day in, day out, at your best. Um, being strong in the face of adversity, being um, well-equipped mentally, emotionally, physically, in the face of life's challenges. Whereas being stubborn is just ignoring um, the signs, ignoring the warning signs really, you know, of what's going on around me and I'm starting to get tired or I'm starting to get stressed or I'm starting to get tetchy with other people. You know, what are all those little warning signs and I'm just ignoring them because I'm being stubborn and I'm being focused. Um, There's a big difference. I think that being aware of what some of the warning signs might be for you in the first place, because they're not necessarily indications that you've gone too far, but they're early warning signs, alarm bells, and we have to listen to the alarm bells. Um... So I think that's, that's a big thing. And also recognising that what are the consequences of not listening. Um, and I think that's a big motivation because I know now that if I don't listen to those warning signs, I know where I could end up and I don't want to go there again. Um, so I think for a lot of people, recognising that what could happen if you don't, um, don't listen. So another great insight there from Anna Hemmings. And and fortunately, she had the self-awareness and self-management to be able to change the way she was training, the the sort of obsessive nature that she had so that she could recover, get her mindset back, get her freshness back, challenge herself in a a really healthy and sustainable way. And she came back to, to deliver more medals and more success in her career before she retired. So I think it's a really important point that we're not just relentless. We've got two groups of people at the moment, those that are frustrated and and aren't able to work and perhaps those that are back in the workplace that are almost trying to cover a much bigger team that are working relentlessly. And we've just got to be aware of these warning signs. So again, in the webinar that I ran, I asked people what the warning signs were when they felt that they were starting to get stressed and couldn't cope. So same for you, just as you stand, run, sit, whatever you're doing, have a think about the warning signs for you when you start to feel pressure and burnout starting to get hold of you. 
What do you experience? What sensations? Maybe what cravings or what thoughts do you have? What do you notice in yourself? So when we ran the session, there were some incredible, incredibly honest insights and people were saying they became very withdrawn. They blocked people out that were trying to help. It became very irritable very quickly. They couldn't sleep. They neglected exercise. One lady was talking about crying a lot in the workplace. Somebody was talking about catastrophizing. One of the execs was talking about uh, he was drinking a lot more alcohol during this period. One person said their OCD kicks in, not enjoying leisure time. Again, that sort of flattened mood, procrastinating, micromanaging, you know, that urge to get things right and to make things perfect because of all the uncertainty and lack of control. So again, really, really interesting. For me, I know that I don't exercise. I probably crave sugar. I probably work longer hours, but less effectively. Those are probably the things for me that I have to watch out for. And and other people were talking about physical symptoms like back pain and neck pain and that kind of thing. But interesting to think about, you know, those warning signs for you and even these minor signs like avoiding social contact can be a, you know, a key element that we need to watch out for. So I think with the COVID-19 crisis, there's so much bad news and so much concern around that it's frightening everyone. And, And we've spoken before about novelty, uncertainty and uncontrollability being these three factors which drive the stress response. So we need to keep a strong mindset and understand where the pressure is coming from and how that manifests itself in our thinking and our behaviour and our eating habits and our sleep and all of those different things as we interact with our team because we need to refocus and, and move back to the things that are within our control and Again, just to recap, you know, if we spend most of our time thinking about the things that we neither control or influence, like government policy or timelines on the economic recovery, then we're going to be wasting our energy and getting really, you know, stressed about something that we can't do anything about. We then move into those elements that we can influence, but we can't control. So that might be the priorities of our team or how we contact our our suppliers or our customers or, or, or our network start to influence those relationships to hopefully have a positive upswing when the time comes. But really, we should be spending at least 70% of our time and effort on the areas that we can control. So that's our mindset, how much we watch the news, maybe our daily well-being and productivity, our, our priorities, who you're learning from, who you're getting feedback from, what you're reading. All of those things are really critical for us to get hold of. Because we can't just work relentlessly and have burnout. We can't be stubborn. We need to be resilient. And resilience is all about having that ability to withstand adversity for sure. But it's also that ability to flex. You're not a a metal pole sort of in concrete stuck into the floor. You're more like a, you know, a a bamboo tree or whatever that's, that's sort of blowing in the wind and adapting to the conditions. So Some other strategies that we might think about are breaking our workload down into smaller chunks, maybe working in in timed sprints and taking regular breaks that can help us to avoid burnout during a day. Definitely monitoring our anxiety and, and measuring the impact and the output you have rather than just this busyness which can sometimes take over. And also starting to predict flashpoints in your day or week so that you can be aware of them rather than snapping under pressure. I think that's another good element to think about. And I know from working in a number of elite sports teams that 
many of them have a daily well-being check when they're in camps or, or in the season where the players might enter a score on an app uh, and it might be how they've slept, how they feel, how their body feels maybe so that the medical team can track their trends on their recovery, their mood and, and develop some strategies to help the players to stay at their best. So they're really focused on their recovery. So maybe we could do the same. We might not have those apps, but um, you know, think about what your score is today. Are you fizzing? Are you nine out of 10 ready to give your best? Or are you maybe feeling a bit flatter at sort of four and five? Think about why that might be. You know, what did you eat and what did you sleep like? Did you drink a lot of alcohol yesterday? Uh, and those things can all feed into our awareness. And then maybe we start to share those with the people close to us or in our team so that, you know, during this period of high challenge, we've actually got a lot of empathy and, and high support to balance that out for each other. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a team game to get through this. So it's really, really important. The second thing we can look at is how can we retain our confidence in, in this period? So this next insight from Dr. Tara Swart, who's a leading neuroscientist and author. Uh, her book, The Source, is excellent if you're reading books on neuroscience and leadership. This is Tara's insight on creating this resilient brain that we're all craving for. I am a huge believer, have always been, in the effect of the mind on the body and the body on the mind. Um, and indeed that the brain is embodied. It's not that, you know, there's no cutoff at your neck between what goes on up here and what goes on below. The answer to your question is that this response is both nature and nurture. So some people will start off with genes that give them increased um, resilience to stress. In terms of the life experiences that you have and then how you were brought up and how you believe things, perception is reality. I mean, our brain is really only responding to how we feel about things, not what's actually out there. So uncertainty for the future, for example, um, can have more negative effects on the brain than something actually going wrong. So absolutely, I believe that if you're able to reframe your thoughts, um, learn new behaviours, learn new language, there's a book um, about Buddhism and neuroscience where they actually say, store up positive statements and stories so that as soon as you start to think something negative or anxious, you can replace that thought with a positive one. Once you're in that negative spiral, it's difficult to come up with a positive statement, but if you've got a store of them, it's easier to replace them. And every single thought that you have, every feeling, every emotion, every memory, every interaction with a person or people, sculpts your brain in real time. So absolutely what you're thinking changes the way that pathways are laid down in your brain and that will correlate to stress responses. So again, another brilliant insight there from Dr. Tara Swart with this important message that not only do we shape the way our brain develops through every thought that we have, you know, these dendrites in our brain get myelinated like an electrical cable and that gets thicker, which insulates the speed of the transmission so we get this broadband sort of set up the more we think in particular habits we have that responsibility we have to take responsibility for our thinking and we need to point that broadband towards success rather than um, you know our fears and being negative so that's something we need to be aware of in the moment and also to have a bank account of confidence have a bank account of uh, successes and strengths that we've had and and the great projects we've delivered over the last six to 12 months, 
We need those things present with us when we have those moments of doubt that even the most successful people in the world have. They fear failure. They worry what everyone's going to think. They worry the shame that's going to come with a setback. Well, when you've got that self-doubt and that inner critic comes in, we need to reframe that worst case scenario. You know, Mark Twain, the 19th century American author, said, I had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. That catastrophizing is a protective mechanism. It's there to protect our self-esteem and to stop us failing. So we all know our best life is outside of our comfort zone by taking those risks and making progress and failing forwards more intelligently towards our achievement. And that's where we get our pride. That's why the Olympians cry on the podium, because they know they were brave enough and they kept moving forward despite all the setbacks. So we need to be aware of these negative thoughts and say, you know, that's just a trigger. So when I speak, for example, at big conferences, I get this voice in my head saying, oh, you're going to mess it up. There's a thousand people here. Sit down or run out the back door as soon as you can. But actually, I need to argue with that voice to say, well, hang on a minute. I do want to do this. There's a great audience here. I want to share some insights. I've done these speeches before. I've done well. This is just part of the countdown to high performance. It's not a trigger for me just to listen to that negative critic and and see it as the truth. So I think we have to debate it. Think of it as if it's a sort of car driving past in front of us and say, oh, that's really interesting. I'm noticing that sort of anxiety driving past there. Uh, But I'm not going to jump in that car and follow it all the way up. I'm actually going to stand back from it and say, that's really interesting. But let me look at that other car going the other way, which is a positive thought. That's something useful that I've already achieved that I can start to focus on and, and move forward and start to make some progress. So I think the most resilient people are not free from doubt in, in any sense, but they are they have this ability to swap out destructive thinking and, and move into something either neutral, which brings them back into balance or something constructive to say, OK, let me just take this one step forward. Let me just try this for five minutes. Let me just, you know, remember back to something that I did incredibly well in the past. And that really helps us to rebalance our thinking and and take all important steps to move forward. So the next insight that we need to consider is our well-being. And I think we're all so focused on the amount of work we do, the impact that we have at work, the, the hours that we spend, that we don't really consider how we're recovering, how we're setting ourselves up for an energetic day, how we're fueling our success. And it's really interesting to think about the role of our nutrition, our hydration, our exercise and our sleep in creating the time away from work that actually every single day plays a critical role in how we deliver our impact. And I know in elite sports, you know, our recovery is actually the next competitive advantage. It's an area where if we can recover deeper and faster, then we can stay at our, you know, best levels of performance for longer. And in the recent webinar that um, we ran, some of the questions that people were asking around the current crisis were, why am I eating more, you know, uh, comfort food during the crisis? Why am I drinking more alcohol? So those are coping mechanisms. The the primitive brain, you know, our brain still thinks we're living in caves, but our world has clearly changed dramatically and it's craving energy. We're desperate to fight or, or flee 
and our muscles need fuel. So those emotions are there to crave sugary foods, you know, high in, in energy so that we can fuel our muscles and, and run as fast as we can away from the saber-toothed tiger. But the saber-toothed tiger is not around and, and we need to understand that our emotions are trying to set us up into motion, but actually we're sitting still at our desks in our kitchens and we don't need that amount of fuel. So we've got to watch that energy balance. The drinking might be an escape, you know, the alcohol to try and cope instead of using psychological strategies where, you know, using drugs and alcohol to try and cope. And again, that's got short term sort of satisfaction, but it's long term going to erode our coping mechanisms, which are the key to our longer term resilience. And other people were asking, what kind of habits do resilient people build into their day? So I'm just going to type in the name of our next guest and uh, find this for you because this is a bit of an all-rounders insight. Okay, yeah, here we go. So this is from Dr. Dorian Dugmore, who's a, a medical doctor, a cardiovascular specialist, and he works with a lot of the Premier League football managers in the UK. And uh, this is Dorian Dugmore's insight around the well-being choices that we need to consider to be healthy executives that can sustain our energy for a long period of time under pressure. Yeah, very typically uh, a corporate leader, an executive leader will have a day where they try and get into work early uh, because it's quiet time and they can deal with their emails and deal with any post and have a little bit of, you know, self uh, uh, self-assessment themselves uh, they'll miss their breakfast or they'll call into their favorite cafe and have a you know have a, a coffee and a few muffins and uh, then they won't bother with anything else for the rest of the morning uh, as the pressure of the day keeps up then they'll probably maybe send out their secretary or their PA to get a quick sandwich and very often that's probably not the healthiest uh, scenario to follow middle of the afternoon their energy is depleted and so they, they they hit a slump usually about two and three o'clock uh, quick fix, sugary food, maybe it's a bar of chocolate or some cakes or something that will give them an initial energy boost with a dramatic loss of energy straight after that. Work late, go home maybe, uh, early evening, um, have a couple of glasses of wine, uh, probably you know sleep a little bit, maybe fall asleep for 10-20 minutes, then have a big meal, a couple more glasses of wine. The whole thing impacts them. They haven't drank any water throughout the day, so their mental function, their clarity is not great. Then when they go to bed, they fall asleep very, very quickly and very, very deeply, but then they have the next five or six hours of erratic sleep where they range between what's called REM sleep, which is the sort of dream sleep and light sleep compared to the what's called the delta sleep, the deep sleep that they need to relax and repair and recover. And that's typical approach that a lot of leaders uh, have and at the end of the day what happens is their energy is depleted they are very very tired all of the time it becomes the operational norm they get very frustrated they answer people with short sharp answers and it's a it's a spiral really of a poor lifestyle that eventually can lead to quite serious illness so what I love about that insight from Dr. Dorian Dugmore is that uh, responsibility that we have to get hold of those choices through the day. And I love this idea of, you know, we're either spiraling up towards our best day or where these choices are compounding on top of each other and delivering us to a worse and worse outcome. 
So there's a great book around behavior and habits from James Clear. Uh, I think it's sold two million copies so far and it's called Atomic Habits. So it's a great book. And in one of his models, he's got this sort of tree diagram, which goes from left to right, like a decision making element of a good day, which ends up at the top of the the branches and, and a bad day, which ends up down at the bottom. So from left, where we start off the day, we have two or three choices that lead us up or down. And the way I look at this is we've got to be the chief executive of our own performance company. And we might have had one bad choice uh, around lunchtime. We might have had a really stodgy lunch or we might have craved some chocolate and, and grabbed it. But then what the CEO should do is that consider that every choice that we make through the day and through the week affects our share price and our energy and our well-being. So the worst case scenario of somebody that's not particularly resilient and taking responsibility for their choices and thinking through the day would say, oh, you know, I banged my toe as I got out of bed. It's going to be one of those days and bad things happen in threes. So you're almost looking out for those next opportunities to make a shocking choice. So I'm sure you're not in that uh, category, but I do know a few people that think like that. So it's really important for us to think, OK, I made a bad choice there. My next choice has to be a good one. And and this ability of the sort of CEO mindset to take accountability for our choices through the day is how we make the compound impact um, of, a, of a healthy lifestyle through the week. So we need to break the chain. That's really the key. Don't allow this chain of bad habits of you know, drinking too much alcohol at night, getting a poor night's sleep, being ratty in the morning, not having a healthy breakfast, no exercise. That really sets us up for another back-to-back bad day. And we've got to try and break the chain on that. So I hope you found that insight useful. And again, James Clear's book on atomic habits is is a really good way to, to think about that, to build resilience into your day. Hi, I hope you're enjoying today's episode. I just wanted to introduce you to Sporting Edge's Winning Mindset program. It builds on many of today's topics and explores the six drivers which have emerged from our research into the psychology of high performance. We've distilled down the six strategies that separate the world's most successful people and have curated those into a digital coaching program so that you can develop them for your own career. As a professional cricketer, I always felt like my mindset was the biggest difference between my best and worst day, but we never spent any time developing it. That's why we've created this flexible 30-day program for entrepreneurs, execs and sports coaches. We've had over a thousand delegates through the program in recent years, with an average of 10 to 15% uplift in their confidence, resilience and well-being. So visit sportingedge.com to join our next cohort. Performing like a pro starts by thinking like one. The Winning Mindset is a pioneering digital coaching program from Sporting Edge. You'll have access to world-class thinkers and performers who'll inspire you with daily five-minute micro-lessons to boost your confidence, resilience and well-being. You'll learn from Olympians, neuroscientists, productivity and well-being experts with bite-sized strategies to help you raise your game. The Winning Mindset. Find out more at www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. So some other strategies 
that I particularly like are around putting your alarm clock maybe three meters away from the bed and uh, putting it in your running shoes. I know I have to use this one in various hotels uh, to get myself out and exercising first things in the first thing in the morning. But you definitely feel better. You feel like you're one up on the day before you've had your breakfast. So I think for anyone that's struggling with young families and children that you're homeschooling and whatever, if you can get out and have some exercise or some personal reflection time or quiet time first thing in the morning, then it might feel strange to be getting up early to do that. But I think it'll set you up for success and make those other choices through the day a lot easier. The other thing is making those tough choices when your motivation is high. So as I mentioned, if you feel like you want to have a healthy day the next day, you know, at seven or eight o'clock and you put your trainers and your alarm clock in the other side of the bedroom, uh, then you've done the hard work. So all you've got to do is is get out of bed and, and switch your alarm off and stick your shoes on the next day. Make the good things accessible so, and the bad things out of sight. It's that friction of distance that you know, your favourite beers out in the garage and, and they need to be cooled down, make, make them hard to get hold of. And, and, you know, chocolate on your desk or in the fridge ready for you is, is a recipe for, for poor choices. So we've got to try and make that choice architecture around us as, as good and as healthy as possible. And then I think the other element is try and create some kind of group competition. I know the people in our local community had this sort of step challenge a couple of weeks ago and it was frightening to see that people were walking miles after miles to try and compete with their neighbours. So again, maybe that's the kind of thing that you could do. But I think it all comes down to being the CEO of your own choices and making sure that you break the chain on, on too many bad ones linking together. So another element that we need to consider is resilience through our relationships. And I think it's really important to consider this because many companies say that their people are the most important asset that they've got. But it's in times like these when we can judge whether their actions are in line with their slogans. There is so much challenge around at the moment, so much turbulence, so much uncertainty And we know that if we're going to sustain a high performance environment, then we need high support to be in place to balance out that high challenge. But how many businesses are putting high support in place at this time? So this insight comes from one of the leading experts in positive psychology. It's from Daniel Lerner from New York. And he shares his insight about the importance of our relationships in building both our well-being and our performance. No matter where you are on planet Earth, no matter what age you are, you know, on this planet, relationships are absolutely key to our our ability to thrive in any domain, I I would argue. There are very, very few things that we can say, uh, we can use, when we can use the word all or any, but relationships is one of the very few that I would argue... um, that would be the case when it comes to thriving. Uh, Chris Peterson, who is one of the one of the fathers of positive psychology, when asked what what positive psychology is, how we could boil it down, boiled it down to three words, which is other people matter. Period. And whether we're talking about enjoying our lives at home, or talking about thriving in the workplace or on the field, the ability to work with other people has been uh, has been supported and is inc- and. and 
is increasingly supported by the data that anyone from psychologists to Gallup organization is, co is collecting. How much more engaged we are when we, uh, when we have a friend at work. Uh, our, our performance levels when we have a friend at work. Our, our longevity when we have someone, even one person that we feel close to in our lives uh, that we can come and talk to at the end of the day. And it's not just saying, hey, I, I totally blew it today. I failed today and going and, and crying to them about it. That is absolutely key. So you can get it off your back and know that someone cares about you and you can, you can talk it out, but also to celebrate and to savor. Because when we think about the greatest, for many of us, when we think about those moments that are really our greatest memories, those things that we love to do on a regular basis, uh, they almost always involve other people. So again, another powerful reminder that resilience and, and mental well-being is a team sport. You know, yes, we have responsibilities to get hold of our own thinking and make sure we're making good choices through our day. But I just wanted to share that insight because I think anyone that leads teams or people or even, you know, for us as family members, we need to think about, you know, one of the symptoms that people talk about when they're slipping into mental ill health is becoming isolated. We had a, an email in from an executive the other day that was saying they're part of a massive multinational business but this lady lives on her own. She works in isolation and she's feeling really disconnected from her team. Now, you know, that's not a great situation. So if you're feeling low yourself, the first thing I would say is, and ideally it happened before you start to feel low because it's very difficult to come back against that tide. But, you know, make sure that over the next day or so you're connecting with people or you're putting dates in the diary or phone calls with people so that you can connect with the people who care about you or who make you laugh. It's a brilliant antidote to surround yourself with people that you can have fun with. And there are so many different virtual platforms to do it on. But sometimes it's that proactive approach to, you know, make that commitment or make that call that you'll you won't regret it. So please do you know, get hold of your phone after this podcast finished and, and phone one of your old mates and, and have a good laugh with them because it's a great way uh, to lift your mood. And I think the second thing for us to think about is can we look out for people that are acting differently, people who've gone quiet, maybe people are gambling or drinking a lot or they're starting to show irritation very quickly. We shouldn't just ignore that. We have to be aware of that and, and offer some support. Now, we don't need to worry about what we're going to say. We just need to listen. And that's often enough for people to feel like they're, you know, loved and respected and cared for. And that helps them to have that environment to move forward just one step and to break that chain in their day so that they can make a healthy choice or, or start, a, you know, five minutes on a particular project that they were procrastinating on. And that will then start that momentum forward. And that's all it takes so I said at the beginning I was going to share an, an opportunity to support you a bit longer term. Uh, I'm going to share one more insight from our library with you in a moment. But I do think it's important to think about our own mental health and our mindset and, and the skills that we need to excel, especially during this challenging time. And as I mentioned, it's so hard for me to reach everybody and, and share these strategies with everybody. So what we did through our team at Sporting Edge, our psychologists and our learning experts, 
Um, we've curated many of these two-minute insights that you're listening to into a 30-day digital coaching program called The Winning Mindset. And this is all around boosting our confidence, our resilience, our well-being, our focus and our ability to perform under pressure. And it's been a transformational program for over a thousand execs around the world uh, in recent years. So I just wanted to give you the opportunity to understand a little bit about it and see if you wanted to join one of our next programs. And as I mentioned, this podcast is recorded at the end of May and in the middle of June, we've got another cohort starting. So please do contact me at hello at sportingedge.com if you're interested in joining this next program. So I, you know, again, everyone wants their reputation to be great, but I think that comes from your results over a long period. And our results over a long period comes from the way we perform and the way we behave. And that over a long period stems from this mindset. Remember, Viv Richards talked about this being the engine room. So if the engine room isn't running properly, we've got no chance of getting a great performance or a great long-term reputation. So that's really where I've centered my research and the team have built this program. And I'd love to surround you with, you know, over 100 experts to, to learn from, whether it's neuroscientists, performance experts, experts in sleep and recovery and nutrition and exercise, or whether it's experts in coping with change or, or even champion jockeys like A.P. McCoy, champion cricketers like Shane Warne. Uh, Sir Mo Farah, Sir Dave Brailsford, Eddie Jones, these incredible experts that are there to give you these powerful micro lessons. So the format of the program is that every weekday morning, I'll send you a five minute micro lesson that's me and an expert and we'll guide you through their tip and their strategy. And then you'll have the chance to reflect and build those activities into your weekly schedule. And these five minute micro lessons are so powerful and over the 30-day program, they really build up. But we've also got tips and templates and reading lists and performance hacks and a discussion forum. And I'll be coaching you through the program over the 30 days. And you'll see some incredible insights in the video format and all the workbooks that bring the program together. So these six key factors that I've spoken about are all added together through the program. You'll have access to the platform with the digital library sitting in it and there's different levels of learning. So you can either just do the fast track five minute micro lesson or you can dig into confidence in a particular area if that's of interest to you. And there's lots of external links out to various research papers or YouTube videos and some brilliant content sitting in there. And we'll also profile you so you can see where you stand at the moment in terms of your mindset on these six factors from our research. And we often see an uplift of around 10 to 20 percent on these areas of personal drive, confidence, focus, performing under pressure, energy management and learning mindset. So all of these elements are going to be critical to your happiness and success. And uh, as we walk through this program together, you'll also get 36 hours of CPD accreditation and a beautiful Sporting Edge certificate for completing it. So I really hope you can join us. Uh, this cohort, as I mentioned, starts on the 12th of June. So the price per person is just £399 for the three months experience. So that's the 30 day program and then a two month extended access period. And as I say, you'll have access to me 
uh, throughout that to coach you through all these insights and help you to make a difference in your work and your life. So if you're an entrepreneur, a teacher, a sports coach or an exec and you're stuck in a rut, um, we'll introduce you to these amazing people and their personal stories and strategies that will help you get back to your best. So please do drop me an email through to hello at sportingedge.com or go to the Sporting Edge website and look at the digital coaching programs there. And this is the 30-day winning mindset program that I'm speaking about. So the final insight that I wanted to share after that offer to have extended access to our content is, again, around resilience and the environment we need to create. And I've spoken before about this being you know, a really important time for leaders, and this is a human crisis, so we definitely need a human response. And our staff are people, they're not just performers. So we need to understand how we can monitor and, and you know, create the right environment for our team so that they can deliver great work in the future uh, in these adverse situations. So I'm going to select a clip from our business community of experts now and as we balance uh, this content out. So this subject of mental well-being and performance is so important. So let me just find this insight here from Kirk Vallis. Yes, here it is. Okay, this is all about creating the right conditions for the workplace. And it, and it comes from Kirk Vallis, who's the global head of creative capability development at Google. So we all know Google has been this incredible hub of creativity and innovation but actually, I think that's the mindset that we need to create at the moment because we've got to get ourselves out of this tough situation. And the more um, stress is in the environment, the more we're going to shut down. So this is a really critical insight for us, anyone that's in a leadership position. This is Kirk Vallis. So when people ask me, how do we create the right conditions to help people have the most impact or do brilliant work? I think the first thing is to 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 think about what are the mental and psychological conditions you're trying to create? The, the physical conditions help to drive that. But fundamentally, in an organisation like Google, we're knowledge workers. I, we're paid for our brains. That's, that's, that's what we're paid for. So that needs to be great. But we recognise that into that becomes psychological safety. So ensuring how are, are people feeling able to be at their best, bring all of themselves to not only work every day, but the specific conversation or the meeting or the or the com or the issue that's being 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 risen, and then of course physical conditions, as we know, massively play a part on our on our on our mental state. So, first top tip is what's the what's the mental condition you want? And it's often in a business situation, it's often focused but relaxed. People always go, who are the most creative people you know? They, they have no magic source. What they have is the ability to stay focused and relaxed when under pressure or 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 the importance of the situation is heightened. Um, the minute we allow the severity of a, of a problem we're trying to solve or the deadline that's looming, the minute we allow that to, to start to take hold in our heads, our ability to think differently about it is lost totally so focused but relaxed is, is is what we often require when we are having I, I call it expansive conversations looking for new and different options in which to solve problems or maximize opportunities so again many of us will be feeling like our backs against the wall you know the situations you know incredibly tense and incredibly tough so I don't mean to think that we're going to 
you know, create some brand new algorithm that's going to make us millions of pounds. That's not what innovation and creativity is all about. But I think we've spoken about the importance of relationships. We've spoken about how the environment for success is critical. And I think as leaders, we need to think about mental well-being and resilience and allow people to feel scared, allow people to talk about their fears, allow them to feel safe in this environment because as soon as people start to feel safe, respected and and cared for as people, not just as performers, then they will start to relax. Their cortisol and adrenaline will drop down and they will be open-minded, they will be creative and they will be able to do new things. And absolutely, that's what we need at the moment. We don't want people reinstalling the old way of doing business. We're in a completely novel situation and we need to create our way out of it. So I think that's a really interesting um, flip between this sort of lower end of the scale where we've spoken about some quite dark mental ill health and actually this high performance end of the mental health and well-being spectrum, which is about how can I thrive? How can I create the conditions for success? And I think if we do have that in mind, then we can have psychological safety in our teams. And that's going to be really, really important for the environment as we start to build out our recovery from this situation and our response as a team and as a business going forward. So just in terms of some key reflections on today's session, Uh, It's so important that we see our mindset as the engine room of performance. Remember that great insight from the legendary Sir Viv Richards. And also Anna Hemming's point about don't just be relentless and stubborn. We need to be resilient, which means adapting and letting that energy shift in and out and and flexing our approach. So be, be aware of the warning signs for yourself and those people around you so that you can adapt and sustain your success. We spoke about reconnecting with past success and strengths and having that ability to switch out our thinking. Imagine that car driving past with negative thoughts in it and the other one going the other way, which says, actually, let me put my attention onto that one rather than the negative one. It's really having awareness and the ability to switch that position, which is critical to our mindset. And that then affects our lifestyle choices. As we heard, you know, we can you know, cope with either psychological strategies or drinking too much and eating too much. And then we have that resentment and regret and frustration in ourselves. And that then cascades through the day. So by taking that perspective of being the CEO of our own performance company each day, we can break the chain and make sure that we can all make, you know, we're human, we're not robots, we're all going to make bad decisions and we're going to have, you know, a bad day. But Let's try and break the chain and make sure that that doesn't go on forever because it's a slippery slope down if that's the case. So we also looked at, um, you know, those elements of relationships being key um, and that other people matter and we need to keep connected. So make sure that you do phone some of your family, phone some of your friends, phone some of those old schoolmates that you haven't reconnected with for a while. That's really, really important in your own mood. And make sure that you connect with people who you feel like are becoming isolated because that is one of the key elements. And as I mentioned before, one of the executives uh, on our webinar actually spoke about his fears going back into the workplace. Uh, He was worried that 
could he really be himself and show that he was scared and vulnerable about re-entry back into the workplace, uh, you know, with a young family? Well, the psychologically safe environment would allow people to, you know, air all of their frustrations or concerns or worries. So if we want to get the best out of our businesses, we need to get the best out of our people. And if we need to get the best out of our people, we need to create that caring environment that balances both support and challenge. So I think it's absolutely critical for us to think about that as leaders going forward. So I hope you found that useful. Um, I really enjoy this topic of, of mental well-being and resilience because I think it's absolutely critical to all of the other elements that we might talk about in personal success, leadership and creating high performing teams and organisations. I've been working on a, a really exciting project this week, which is going to give you personal access to our digital library. So I'll keep you posted on that as it develops. And I'm hoping it's going to be able to be launched in the next couple of months. Do remember to email me at hello at sportingedge.com if you're keen to join our Winning Mindset program that's coming up in, in June. But if you're listening to this after that date, then go to sportingedge.com and look for the digital coaching programs and you'll see the latest cohort there. This is all about bolstering your resilience and your well-being and that ability to have these five-minute micro-lessons each morning really sets you up for success. And over the 30 days, you'll start to build these habits that will become a way of life. And when you start to think like a, a champion, you'll definitely achieve great results. So just as a final request, straight after you switch this podcast off, I'd love you to connect with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms. So it's Jeremy Snape on LinkedIn, at The Sporting Edge on Twitter, jeremy.snape on Instagram, and tag in a couple of your mates that you think might enjoy this content. And I'd love to continue to support you through this incredibly challenging time so that we can share ideas and navigate this volatility together. So I hope you've enjoyed today. Stay safe and keep well. We'll see you next time on Inside the Mind of Champions. <laughs>